0: Piccolo, uh, Fisted by Foucault, is back and uh, want to check in with you because so um, you and I were together in London um, last week and on my way to the airport to Heathrow was when I first learned of this stuff unfolding. I think it was when it just started unfolding in real time, um, talking about the uh, what well, at first was described as a attempted coup d'etat, it appears that that's not, in fact, what it was. Um, perhaps I was wishful thinking on the part of, of um, certain interested parties. Uh, but this shit show that happened with, uh, um, with uh, Yevgeny Pogosian's Wagner group rolling into Russia from Ukraine, taking a town um uh, uh appearing as if it was going to roll um was gonna was approaching Moscow but didn't um maybe
1: could you just break down what happened just the chronology <laughs> of events real quick sure um we'll start with the actual events and then I guess we can uh, fall back and look at the larger context so yeah what and happened actually for,
0: and actually may, may i'm sorry maybe start off by describing who what the what the Wagner group is.
1: Okay, all right. So the Wagner Group, it's uh, Russia's best-known PMC, private military contractor. It was started out by a gentleman named uh, Urkin, who was special forces in the FSB, which is the successor to the KGB. Uh, These were Spetsnaz guys, like he was. And they were tasked with working hand-in-glove, for the most part, with Russian interests abroad, uh, especially in Africa and in the Middle East. And what they did over the years was prop up regimes that were in a bit of trouble, especially from Islamist rebels, or uh, would help other forces uh, crush other rebellions. They would uh, strengthen the regime, and they would get paid quite often in assets such as gold and silver, and, and other access to mines, etc, etc, etc. And so they worked in places like the Central uh, African Republic, in Mali, they're in Sudan, and of course, uh, most notoriously in Syria, where they came to the mm-hmm. aid of Bashar Assad's regime, and where they really, really made a name for themselves and put themselves on the map. So since roughly about 2013, they've been operational uh, on these two continents. And when the War, which the Russians call the SMO, the Special Military Operation, Wagner was introduced. Uh, Only 300 of their mercenaries were involved at the time, but that grew uh, quite significantly over the first few months. And then as of July of last year, came the infamous recruiting from the prisons, where they recruited Mm -hmm. the hardest Russian prisoners from the most hardcore and vicious Russian prisons, saying, if you come fight with Wagner and you make it out alive, you're gonna earn your freedom. So, mm-hmm. uh, when the SMO happened last year, that's add, and, and I should add, if you if you if you uh, desert, then you get shot. If you desert, you're gonna get shot. Yeah, you're gonna right. find yourself right. in, a, in a in a nice ditch pretty quickly. So, right. when the SMO happened, there was always questions about who was actually standing behind this. And so, when the Russians did invade, that's when Yevgeny. Uh, uh, uh Prigozhin uh, Prigozhin sorry uh stepped out behind the scenes and confirmed to everybody that yes he was the main funder financer of Wagner uh Prigozhin was known as Putin's chef for the simple reason that he was also a criminal who spent about 10 to 12 years in Soviet and Russian prisons he's from St Petersburg which is Putin's stopping ground. And the reason why he was given that nickname was because he got into restauranting and catering upon his release from prison in St. Petersburg and started earning significant dollar figures or ruble figures, I guess, in the 1990s in government contracts of St. Petersburg for catering, for food supplies, etc. While coincidentally, Vladimir Putin was deputy mayor under Anatoly Sobchak, the then mayor of St. Petersburg. So, I'll get into this in a bit, but there's theories, there's all sorts of theories about what happened, uh, but that's basically the story about Wagner. So what happened last week was that Wagner, who handed over control of Bakhmut to Russian uh, regular forces on May 25th after his successful capture, were doing a little bit of R&R. But at the same time, there was increasing tension between Wagner and the Russian military, specifically their Ministry of Defense, and even more specifically, the Chief of uh, the General Staff, uh, Grasimov, and of course the Minister of Defense, Shoigu. Uh, Prigozhin was for months insisting that the Russian army was not giving them the support they needed, whether through weapons, arms, or artillery support, and were often putting mm-hmm. them in the, in dangerous way, especially around Bakhmut. And even more, uh, this verbal attack uh, continued to increase in volume and in the scope of the accusation, saying that sometimes even Russian military would pull support from the flanks of Wagner, leaving them uh, exposed, creating more casualties for them that were unnecessary. And then uh, last week, he claimed that Russian army literally attacked Wagner, even there's no inv- evidence for this. And that's what precipitated the crisis uh, in informal terms. And so mm-hmm. what happened was that Wagner, under Prigozhin, and some of the Wagner men, rolled into rostov don which is on the Sea of Azov in southern Russia. It's also where the southern military command of the Russian armed forces is. Wagner rolled into the city it's a significant, it's a large city, um, and walked into the southern military commands without firing a shot and took it over. And at the same mm-hmm. time, another group of his forces began what was called the March for Justice, and they were on their way to Moscow. They went to the city of Voronezh, and then from that point on is when it stopped. Now, Prigozhin claimed that he was trying to bring attention To the plight of Wagner and to the plight of Russian efforts in Ukraine, uh, saying that it is being hampered by corruption, mismanagement, and accusing some of being outright traitors to the cause. So it's not an issue of Prigozhin being against the war, even though he's made some claims along those ways, because there's a lot of reporting going all over the place. There's a lot of contradictory information. Um, But what happened when his men entered Voronezh on the road to Moscow was that. Lukashenko from Belarus negotiated a climb down for uh, for Prigozhin, saying, "Listen, fuck you." And the language that they used between each other was normal for Slavs, but very ugly to hear from Westerners. And so the deal that was struck was Prigozhin would go to, into exile in Belarus with any of the men who wanted to join him in exile. Uh, all charges of treason that were leveled at him, and there were treason charges drawn up by uh, state prosecutors already while this was happening would be dropped, and Wagner men who wanted to continue the fight because most of them did not join this little escapade could remain in the uh, in the fight in Ukraine. Lavrov, two days ago, the foreign minister of Russia, said, Wagner, their status outside of Ukraine remains unchanged, which means there's continuity, but here is the key point as to why all of this happened. Because Prigozhin, who... Eagle, whose ego seems to have gotten the best of him uh, based on Wagner's successes and his larger and larger profile in Russia, uh, tried to get both Garasimov and Shoigu fired, the two big chiefs, the two head honchos of the Russian military. And the Russian military said, you know what, enough of this. We got to bring these guys in line. And so what they said is, we have a deadline July the 1st, all Wagner men no longer sign contracts to fight Ukraine with Wagner. They have to sign with the Russian Ministry of Defense. So the Russian military wants to integrate Wagner into his structures because frankly, Prigozhin has shown himself to be a loose cannon, uh, which and his constant outbursts are really bad propaganda for Russia. It allows uh, Western media and Western governments to try to portray Russia as being not as unified as it is, being very shaky. And as you saw when this was happening in real time, uh, a lot of Western commenters, they were they were hopeful. They were thinking, great, this is a Russian civil war, or it's a coup d'etat, Putin's on his way out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One comment I made uh, with respect to all these people who got everything wrong, I did the thing where I didn't even comment at all because I knew I was going to get it mm-hmm. wrong. But these mm-hmm. people, uh, let's say Applebaum, uh, Timothy Snyder, all of them, everyone read into the situation what they wanted to get out of it. Right. And everybody got
0: burned so uh okay so on the one hand this just sounds like inner office politics like uh to, you know uh in the form of, of of actual warfare uh but you said that he wasn't that pagohin was not critical of the war but he did say that the entire basis for the war in uh, according to the like Putin's Putin's propaganda which is that the denazification of Ukraine was bullshit and that this was actually just to enrich a bunch
1: of oligarchs, right? Yeah, yeah, he did say this. And that was a direct attack on, and and there's a rhyme and a reason to it, because his um, key point here, and it once resonates with the Russians, is his attack on both Gerasimov and Shoigu uh, for corruption. Uh, For instance, Shoigu's daughter supposedly has very lucrative contracts to supply the Russian military, which is a huge conflict of interest. Uh, Garasimov, he's accused of all sorts of financial swindling. And so Mm -hmm. when Prigozhin, who's trying to place himself and Wagner above the entire phrase saying, hey, look, we're doing the fighting while the Russian military is digging in, building these lines. We're the ones sacrificing ourselves. We're not corrupt. We're doing this. We captured Bakhmut. These guys are robbing you guys blind. So the question then becomes... Was he trying to position himself um, as the head honcho of military efforts in the Ukraine? Was he trying to weaken Putin on behalf of somebody? And if so, who was he trying to weaken Putin on behalf of? Was it interests within the Russian uh, elites who want to move Putin aside? Or is it in the interests of Western intel that wants to see Russia collapse? And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of speculation going on here. I've read the Russian speculation. I've read the Ukrainian speculation. I've read the the uh, the, the speculation from the uh, from Europeans, from the Americans, and it really leaves everybody confused. What we do no, know I'm sorry, I'm is to interrupt, but
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but uh, are you saying that that according to those Russian speculators, um, they the theory is that he's, is that Prokhorov is is collaborating
1: with with Western intel? There's two it, sides uh, to this uh, among the Russians. There are the Russians who back the existing military effort, even though they're not necessarily happy with it, but they uh, are of the opinion that it's got to be done in a unified way, a unified chain of command, uh, no cowboys like him. And then there, there's mm-hmm. those who champion Wagner and say, you know what? He's right about everything. He's correct in doing this. Now, those that are critical of him, they're divided between those who, who think that he was trying to do an end run around Shoigu and Garasimov to get Putin's attention, and that they uh, a few days before the July first deadline, when Wagner troops would have to start signing contracts with the Russian military and not with Wagner anymore, because what that would do is that would sap him of the control over these guys. He would lose a lot of his, uh, let's say, strength, uh, even political influence, uh, because he would be. Uh, he would be ultimately answerable to the Russian military and not as Mm -hmm. independent as Wagner's been acting to that point. But then there's also the group that believes that he is working with Western intelligence to take down the Russian government on his own behalf. I do not Mm -hmm. lend much credence to that theory because that is incredibly risky behavior. Not that he hasn't Mm -hmm. displayed a history of risky behavior, but I think it's a little bit too far-fetched for me. I am of the view that he was trying to get Putin's attention and trying to sideline the pet honchos in the military.
0: So according to that theory, which I agree is probably the most likely, but it, it would require... Pogosian thinking that by invading Russia, humiliating Putin, um, he was going to—I don't know—get a a, a a that Putin was going fi- to. Uh, I don't, I don't get the theory that Putin was going to sideline his own generals in favor of Pogosian after being humiliated and literally having invaded the the, the motherland. Is that the theory? <laughs>
1: like that's it's it's, it, it's well, it sounds insane and it sounds like an mm. act of desperation latent because it was the timeline was uh, counting down putin publicly backed this new law that would have wagner incorporated into russian military chain of commands including the contracts with the russian military so prigozhin was basically boxed into a corner and he had this one last option to light off a bunch of fireworks and see what would happen big problem is that they ended up killing a lot of Russian air Force guys um mm-hmm. I think something like thirty seven personnel went down that was the biggest one they lost in this war so far and it's not even close and mm-hmm. so the the questions are was he sent was he given exile in Belarus so they can hang him later this is stuff we're gonna have to wait and see there's one conspiracy theory that came out of certain circles in the west that's this was a way to exfiltrate Wagner from Eastern Ukraine up to Belarus so that they could take another run at Kiev. Uh, Interesting theory. So uh, do it like under the, uh, in the open, but under the cover of a supposed uh, coup d'etat, let's say realistically a mutiny. But the problem with that theory is that not many Wagner guys, first of all, joined this little adventure, and even less are going to Belarus.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um
1: and so you when you said that um
0: the that their status right now is status is, is the same that a, the Wagner group status is the same outside of Ukraine do you right. mean that they're still uh deemed traitors within russia no 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 so no 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 not at all no so no not at all in, you mean the same as in pre
1: quote unquote coup right they're, exactly they're, they're, everything they're doing in africa and asia and i think and in latin america as well that's all signed off it's all kosher according to foreign minister lavrov continuity keep doing what they're doing the issue they had was with prigozhin's behavior in ukraine and his attacks open attacks on the government and government officials
0: i see so they're trying to split they're trying to split this baby and say it was this is yeah. a uh, they they success, successfully sort of decapitated the problem that, this, but the the reality is like, these guys were recruited by Pogoshin personally. And my understanding is they're fiercely loyal to him, right? Yeah. Perhaps yeah. more loyal to him than they are to Putin. So like this, this is, this seems like an artificial distinction. <laughs> these guys followed him into, into Russia. They were called traitors at the time. Um, now, what, the, like the, the Kremlin is just going to retcon this and pretend that this is all just pre- that, 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 the, that, the, that the, these, these regulars had nothing to do with this
1: attempted quote unquote coup? That's exactly what's happening. Putin went uh-huh. on TV and said, you guys are free. You guys cause no issue. You guys are free to go back into the fight or to join Wagner uh-huh. abroad or even to go to Belarus in exile. So he wants to split Prigozhin from his men. And it looks like that they've done that successfully. Now, remember as well, Wagner's role in Ukraine originally was just to be a fighting unit. But because of the light touch that Russia went in with into Ukraine with, they became a much more important unit. And that's why they got all those uh, new recruits to come in, especially the prisoners, to fill the holes, fill the gaps in the line. While Russia trained their new recruits that were mobilized and built those defensive lines in southern Ukraine and eastern Ukraine. So what's happened as well is that Wagner's job was done with Bakhmut, and now you can pull them out because that they've done what they had to do, and now it's the regulars' turn to take over. Um Okay, so
0: I, I understand like people like Applebaum and, folk, and Snyder and folks like that totally overinterpreted the situation in order to to suit their own um, their own best wishes. But um, it does sound as if like the the upshot of this is that it leaves Putin looking like a total cuck, right? I mean, he's like <laughs> these guys openly challenged his authority; they violated his the the sovereignty of his country, and he's just. Um, He's just pretending as if all these regulars that followed, uh, Prokozhin into, um, Rostov on Don are, you know, what like brainwashed by their leader that they're fine. That I mean, it just seems like a, the, the optics of it are terrible politically, from <laughs> from within elite
1: circles in Russia. I would ima- I would I would imagine. Am I wrong? Well, the the optics uh, do not look good. Um, mm-hmm. Putin's Praetorian Guard, Razgvardia is going to be receiving a lot of these Wagner fighters, believe it or not, which sounds counterintuitive uh, based on their loyalty to Prigozhin. Uh, But at the same time, the Russian military really did not block Wagner on the way to Moscow. There were reports that Rostov was about to be surrounded by Kadyrov's Chechen forces. But what Mm -hmm. we know right now is that this was viewed immediately by Russian government uh and security forces as a really unfortunate thing that should not have happened there is no doubt in my mind that they knew something like this was going to happen their main concern was there for not to be any fighting going on in russia which is why they're allowed to go all the way up to voronezh while these negotiations were going on uh at some point Lukashenko basically threatened Prigozhin's life and Prigozhin had what 7,000 guys with him max uh, I think in Rostov probably even less what was he going to go up against He would they, they would have been slaughtered at some point but at the same time you're right the optics look really bad here but when you look at it from the perspective of Russians not wanting to see them fight against each other it was like a pressure valve release even though it mm-hmm. looked bad lots of steam mm-hmm. but no fire You've reached the end of this
0: episode of the free version of Public's podcast. To access the full version, become a paying subscriber at public.substack.com.